0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 204, Do Gamers Linux? Recorded September 6th, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me this week is your your friend and mine, the gooey kid, Mr. Seth Anderson.
1: Hey, Seth, how are you? Hey, Mark, doing pretty good, and a big shout out to the faithful Element OPI sticking with us once again.
0: And uh, the uh, the command line godfather is is MIA. He got lost somewhere between house A and house B. Uh, I I think he's fighting with Comcast to get internet access, but uh, we wish him well, and uh, perhaps someday he'll return from the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. But we do have a true hardcore Linux gamer to replace him, and that is Jordan from the Linux Gamecast.
2: Hey, Jordan, how are you? I'm feeling rather uh, rather crappy because I don't have one of those nifty little uh, underbar things. Oh, the lower third, so, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have my lower thirds. I feel I feel naked and unidentified. Well, you can make that happen. That's right there in the
0: Hangouts. You can make that happen. Yes, it's. Uh,
2: I I I can get naked right yes. now. Yes, it's That's
0: it's excellent uh, uh, audio commentary for our our audio <laughs> listeners to have mm-hmm. the uh, the lower third
2: going. Yes, of course. Where so uh, are, where, where the, where George- crap, so I don't even use it. <laughs>
0: Jordan's going to be hanging out with us tonight, um and uh, we're going to talk about him and about his show, but uh first off, we have other random stuff to talk about, because that's what we do here, including the fact that uh, Seth no longer has stinky, dirty clothes.
1: Yeah, um... Our washing machine went out at my house. And so I had to buy a new one. And of course, that's fun when you're one person manhandling a washing machine off a truck and into a house and then through a, through an obstacle course that is our house, but I got it in. It only took me a day. And so I did a load of clothes last night. Woohoo. I can do washing machine. Yeah, that's
0: exciting. We, uh, there are five people in my house, my wife, myself, my three children. Laundry is a never ending constant battle uh, and in fact our washing machine now is making a strange noise that i believe is the bearing uh the rotator bearing going out and it's like we we got to get that fixed that thing can't be down it's like if See, the, the,
2: the, the 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 trick is to shower with your clothes on and uh you <laughs> do it. and your clothes. It's, it's like if yeah. the pump goes out at the sewage plant
0: you know before long there's still stuff incoming but nothing outgoing that's what it's like at our house when the washing machine breaks so that that's a mission critical piece of equipment around my house
2: Mm-hmm. Need to teach your kids how to use a washboard, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's we do have a stream with some rocks out back. You know, here's some here's some palm olive, here's a rock, go do your thing.
2: Seriously, kids are spoiled these days. They, they have uh, no concept of how to manually wash their clothes.
0: They expect to be fed and have a roof over their head and an electricity. Uh kids today.
1: Mm-hmm. Man. Damn <laughs> Mhm.
0: Alright, so uh that's that's it. I, I don't have anything interesting or uninteresting to talk about this week, other than I, I did mention last week I was reading the the Seven Eves book uh by Neil Stevenson. Maybe it was two weeks ago I mentioned it. I'm still uh it's a thirty hour audio book, so I'm still into it. But um I'm not super familiar with Neil
2: Stevenson's work, uh but I've I've I've, I've read uh, Snow Crash. That was yeah. I think that's the only uh one I bought from him and I also have Kryptonomicon uh sitting on my shelf. Or no, no, it was uh, Diamond Age sitting on my shelf. I haven't gotten around to reading that yet. So I,
0: I'm pretty sure that it's not uncommon for his books to take a hard right turn into the weird, and this one did it at hour twenty ish of thirty. Yeah. Um, it just went wow, way, wow, that, 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 way hard right turn.
2: That 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 seems a bit uh, seems a bit slow for Neil Stevenson, considering the main character in Snow Crash is a dude called hero protagonist. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. But it's still an interesting book. Just maybe a little more interesting than I had uh, had uh, bargained for. Mm -hmm,
2: Yeah, Stevenson's stuff usually goes into some weird places. That's why I like it, though.
0: I'm uh, I'm much more into the well, uh, I'm more into the hard science and and history sort of stuff. A little bit, I sci-fi is fine. I'm not into fantasy. And this book took the turn from sci-fi to fantasy. And um, I'm not sure I'm ready to go on that ride, but I'm gonna try, I'm gonna do it, and we'll see what happens. I'll let you know when I finish with it, probably this week.
1: I'm but sure. you know what? You know what right. happens next month, Mark? The Martian. Yeah, is that it
0: comes and out next month?
1: It comes out in October.
0: Oh, cool. When will when will people learn? Stop sending Matt Damon
2: into space. It just
0: ends <laughs> bad poorly. things happen. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like Born on Mars.
2: Uh, it's, it's, uh, no, no. The 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 premise of the book was this guy gets right. trapped on Mars, and he has to use science to. Yeah, we've talked Survive. about the book a lot mm-hmm. on the
0: show. It's actually one of my favorite books ever. Um Well then. Shows yeah. what I know. <laughs> um Seth uh Seth enjoyed the book, hated the audiobook. I love the audiobook and haven't haven't read the actual paper or even Kindle thing. Just, you know, reading. It's so twentieth century. Sure. All right. Let's move on yeah. to uh, some, some feedback from our listeners. Let you guys talk to us. Hussein gets all philosophical on us. Um, and I just got to say, there's a little bit of a, a mind blown moment where a fellow named Hussein starts his email with howdy. Um, just the paradigms are clashing in my brain, but I'm going
2: to go. Oh, Cl- well, I mean, clearly you never lived in Alberta, so. <laughs>
0: He says, Howdy, I was listening to y'all talk about whether white hacking is morally right or not. I just wanted to add to this discussion. Obviously, white hacking is illegal, but that's beside the point. Mark and Seth disagree on the subject because Mark holds to the duty ethics with respect to the issue. He believes that one cannot violate the rule you shall not touch that which is not yours without permission. So, white hacking is wrong. Seth, on the other hand, believes in unilateralism with respect to the issue. White hacking probably produces good results overall, so it's right. Both views are very suspicious, and I think both are false ethical theories. But in order to resolve this issue, we have to agree first what ethical theory is true, or at least which ethical theory should be considered. Disagreement on ethical theory surely can result in disagreement in ethical duties. I have no idea which which side is right. I believe in a theistic ethical theory, divine command theory in particular, and and it gives no clear direction on which is right. I feel I want to say more, but now I got my bacon finally. I want to enjoy it. Hussein. Um, I don't even know how to respond to that, really, because there was lots of stuff in there that I'm not smart enough to there, be there, there, there,
2: there is that uh, that last uh, last third of the email kind of went into its own direction. I don't think any schools of theism have any thoughts on infosec. That was a, uh, that was a Neil Stevenson
0: email. It started out slow and then it took a hard right turn about two thirds uh, of the way through.
2: No, that 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 <laughs> that would imply some level of quality, maybe. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I I did appreciate the bacon mention. So, um, I hope you enjoy the bacon. And, you know, you got to do better, Hussein. How was it regular bacon or did you <laughs> have it to go with something you can't leave us hanging with? But now or, I've got my or bacon. Was it, uh,
2: female bacon or, yeah, regular, you know, or the other side bacon?
0: That's, a, that's bacon. another thing that's my, I'm, I know I'm showing my racism, but a guy named Hussein talking about bacon, it's just, it's really blowing my mind. I'm, well, I'm that's
2: that, that's that, that's not racism,
1: but um, more No, that's racism. profiling, Mark. <laughs> yeah, there it is, racial profiling.
0: I, I did want to no, say no, though, uh,
2: not not a race thing, but anyways, go on. <laughs>
0: I did I did want to say that, uh, uh, my, my, maybe I misrepresented my stance on white hacking and vigilantism. I think those two are are combined. Um, I, I I didn't really intend to go into which is right or which is wrong. My point has been, and always will be that if you violate the law, you should be prepared to face the penalty for having violated that law, whether it's a right thing or a wrong thing. We've, we've talked about the definition, but, uh, the distinction between ethical and legal many times in the past on this Linux show. Uh, but uh, the uh, the idea that, uh, particularly in the white hacking thing, was if you were hacking, even if you were doing it for noble reasons, if you were breaking the law, you can't moan and complain about having to face the penalty for having broken the law,
2: because you broke yeah, there, a law. I mean, there, there there's ultimately the uh, the statement as well that states uh, defiance of an unjust, breaking an unjust law because it is unjust is. Um, the, the highest legal duty you can perform. I don't know. Uh, uh, disclosure in infosec is a very complicated topic. Uh, um, there are multiple schools of thought about it. Uh, but ultimately, any 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 philosophy you have to adopt has to effectively nix the issue that's being exposed. I mean, uh, I, can, I can find a vulnerability in a piece of software, and the actions I should I take should benefit the greatest number of people. At the same time, there should be an opportunity for the corporation or company. Uh, in question to patch their uh, patch their software before the uh, vulnerability goes public but at the same time users should be able to protect themselves so it's a, it's an interesting balance and it's probably a podcast in and of itself so
0: but it's it's actually been the context of several uh podcasts yeah. around here but yeah we that's what we the things that we do on every day linux is talk about uh about politics and and ethics uh but yeah i i do think no 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 linux though uh, occasionally yeah. we do mention Linux, uh, right up front in the title. We, we mention yeah. Linux. Yeah, uh, that, that, that counts. That, that's the one time. Sure. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan had no idea what he was getting into. He was like, sure, I'll do a podcast.
2: Oh, uh, I, 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 I had every idea what I was getting into. You think I had to do my homework? <laughs> I pity you folks, but we'll wait. I'll wait till we get to the meat of the discussion for this week. You have another email,
0: though. I do. I have another email from Rick, who uh, reminds us that you can also get old used used junk on Amazon. says, you mentioned on a recent show that when you look for new things, uh, you look on Amazon, and when you want to want used things, you go to eBay. I would also encourage you to check uh, for used items on Amazon. I found a lot of good deals where private sellers sell used items at a fraction of the new price. I've even sold a couple of things there myself. Works great. Okay. Duly noted. Uh, And then he goes, continues on. Also, I have a question and a comment about your cold coffee setup. Uh, First of all, you mentioned that you're using suction to pull the coffee through your filter bed. At one time, you were having problems with this causing your receptacle to collapse under the pressure. Is there a reason you chose to use negative pressure to pull the coffee through rather than positive pressure on the other side to push it through? Uh, Yes, there is. Uh, In my experimentation, uh, suction was less violent than pressure. And uh, the, as I mentioned previously, my my setup. The the goal is to keep the tannins and the acids in the beans and pull the oils and the flavor flavors out. Um, and pressure seemed to uh, express the things I didn't want more than suction does. So it was considered. It was experimented on. It was discarded. And then he goes on to say, and finally, you mentioned putting your coffee in glass versus plastic. One thing, uh, g- plastic, excuse me, one thing to protect against in addition to oxygen is light, especially in clear glass. There's a reason that good beer is bottled in brown bottles. It blocks out the light better, especially the ultraviolet. That's also one reason why beer in green bottles, you know the brands, often have a skunky taste. Personally, being lazy, the lazy guy that I am, I brew my beer directly into the same type of Cornelius keg that you use for your coffee. Less clean up, no bottling, and you can serve any quantity you want without waste. Happy brewing. Um, well, I, I while I don't disagree with the whole light thing, I keep my coffee in a refrigerator and the light's off. So it's both cold and dark. Uh, so I, I, I imagine I could have it in anything and it wouldn't really matter much there.
2: Okay. Moving, yeah. <laughs> moving on along. I, I, no, nothing to say on that. Yeah. Captain Haddock has some chips yes. for you though. We uh we th-
0: a a long running theme of this show has been my quest to brew the perfect cup of coffee.
2: Um. Uh, you uh, should you should uh, go t- to to uh, what's his name from Breaking Bad,
0: <laughs> Heisenberg. What's no, his, uh,
2: his uh, Gail. That was his name. Yeah,
0: I don't. I literally never saw a single episode of that show.
2: I told you, I'm you should, so you, out of touch. What, what, why why are you, why are you recording a podcast? You should go watch Breaking Bad. That's well, importance.
0: here's the reason. and I'll tell you cuz the the title of the show tells you right at the beginning that a a guy who isn't bad is going to turn bad. I didn't want to invest several seasons of my life, several years of my life in a guy that I knew I was going to end up
2: hating at the end.
0: So oh, but you didn't don't do it.
2: you don't end up hating them and he doesn't turn bad. You just see it, it 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 is very much a story of how the path to hell is paved with good intentions and it's just marvelous to watch that journey. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure it's excellent.
0: I'm just, I just haven't checked it out. And maybe someday I will. It took me five years after the show was canceled to watch Battlestar Galactica. So, you know, uh, I also haven't seen a single episode of Mr. Robot, which I understand is stunning. I just haven't seen any of it. The Uh, first episode.
2: It wrapped up too. So if you want to binge that, that's, uh, not as good time as
1: any. Yeah. The first episode was good, but I, and the second episode was eh. And I, I didn't finish the third one. So.
2: Oh, then uh, you're missing out, but uh, this Utopia thing sounds like a thing, well, doesn't bef- it?
0: Before we do that, Chris has let me know via Skype that he would like mm. to join the conversation, so I'm going to bring him in, and we'll just see what happens on his makeshift somewhere on a raft in the Pacific mm. is Chris, it's- the command line Godfather Neves. Hey, Chris. <laughs>
3: Hello, Gentlemen, how are you guys doing tonight? Uh, so Pretty far so good. good. Uh, well,
0: how are, How are things? How are, how are you making it?
3: uh slowly right now um and oh i'm having a great error message on my audacity so i'm not gonna be able to record tonight
0: <laughs> okay we'll just make it work um so the the disembodied voice from beyond that you hear <laughs> is our very own chris neve so you're in the i told the guys uh, uh at the audience that you were in the middle of moving how is that going have you have you relocated your stuff
3: Yes. Everything has been moved to the new house. The old renter, the, the rental is no longer under our control. We have moved into the new place. Um After fighting with my service provider for internet, I switched to a new one and I just got it set up like 10, maybe an hour ago.
0: All right. So we're not so. sure how, how stable he will be or how long he'll be with us, but we're going to enjoy his presence while he's here. We've, uh, we're have we halfway through our listener feedback, so we got one last email from Captain Haddock, who's been a, a bit of a perennial uh, commenter recently. He says, Hey Mark, based off your statements on the topic of is the internet a failed utopia, I thought you would enjoy listening to a recent episode of the Awesome Truth Podcast, which produces, quote, movies for your ears. This specific episode, linked below, and I'll, if I remember, I'll Put the links in the notes, is called The Last Job and is set in a utopia where work isn't necessary, but the plot takes a turn and you discover that a utopia of no leisure uh, will ever exist. Pretty much any utopia for that matter. Cheers, Captain Haddock. P.S. Love the show. Love Linux. Don't agree with RMS. Love your political slash theological views and willingness to speak your mind in this day and age. Frankly, we need more people like you. Keep it up, mate. That right there is actually the whole reason his comment is in here. Um I get <laughs> I get so many people abusing me. I wanted some praise and so the whole other bar- part about the the other podcast. Sure. If you want to go listen to the awesome Tree Podcast, you, that's great.
2: You, you got to embrace the abuse, man. <laughs> yeah, if, if 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 you if you remove the fangs, it ceases to be a weapon oh. and starts to be something that you can turn into content. That's what Linux Gamecast does. <laughs> it's worked out. <laughs> I think, I don't know. Maybe.
0: So, uh, yeah, one of the things I like to do on this show, and, and I, frankly, we don't do enough, is talk about other podcasts, because mm-hmm. we're all one big community here. And I've never heard of the Awesome Truth podcast, but now that uh, Captain Haddock has brought it to my attention, I will go check it out. And I encourage you to do so, too.
2: All right. So what's
0: there you on go. the docket next? So the next thing that I have to do, because they pay me to, is talk about Linux Academy. Dot .com. Uh very briefly because we're we're known for our very short commercials around here. I'll tell you about our our <laughs> friends uh uh Wow, I just totally blanked on his name. Anthony. Thank you. My friend Anthony, who uh, he started uh, here his journey. We did a, a, an interview with him because we thought his product was interesting, and uh, his business has sort of grown with our podcast, and over time, he's become a sponsor. We're big fans, so we put those two things together, and I tell you about Linux Academy, where you can learn how to be a Linux administrator, or at least gain the skills to be a Linux administrator, by using their step-by-step video courses. This is far beyond just YouTube uh, lessons out there. You can get those anywhere, i.e youtube but what's make makes linux academy special is not only that their content is first rate high quality uh independently certified by third parties as first rate and high quality but it's it ties in an entire um ecosystem of learning with those videos are the downloadable pdf study guides the practice exams the uh the uh uh the learning guide where you can say I want to be here I want to I want to take this course I have three hours every second Thursday to do it it'll build your syllabus for you It'll email you uh, let you know today you need to do this you need to take these exams and it'll keep you on track just like your mother would if you were uh, at home uh, going through to college it's it's really it's sort of a college in a box linuxacademy.com well over 200 videos now and they've they branched out far beyond just Linux you can learn Linux there but you can also learn uh, uh um Ruby on Rails. You can learn, uh, Amazon web services. You can learn, um, I'm just extemporizing because I can't remember off the top of my head. They've, they've expanded in so many different directions, but their core is still Linux. It's built right into the name, linuxacademy.com. So check them out and, uh, let them know what you think. The, uh, the, the content you get there, as I've just expounded on, is really high quality, but the price, is for is peanuts $25 a month in fact that's the most that you can pay $25 a month that gives you access to the videos that gives you access to the study guides that gives you access to these amazing virtual lab setup where you can have up to four virtual machines running simultaneously interacting with each other in a safe and practical environment to blow stuff up and learn from it but if you like anything else like like bacon or donuts or eggs the more you buy the less you pay so if you want to buy three months at a time that's a quarter that's $65 $10 discount right there if you a year. It's $18 and change a month brings out to $215 annually. So check it out for $25. See what you think. If you don't like it, walk away. In fact, I've said on this show before, and I'll say it again, if you don't like it, let me know. I'll send you your $25 back. I believe in them that much. Now, be honest about it. I'm trusting you not to be a jerk and just try to rook me out of some money. But uh, yeah, if, I was, I was, I was going to say, can I have $25? <laughs> sure. <laughs> if, if you try the content for a month and you don't like it, I, I'll put my money where their mouth is. I believe in them that much. Uh, but I, what the, the reason I'm so confident of that is because I've used the, the stuff. Seth has used the stuff. He's a paying customer of it. Not only they're they're sponsor of the show, but he's a customer. And I get email time after time again from people saying, this is exactly what I was looking for. So check them out, Linuxacademy.com. If you use the Linux, uh, if you go to use the uh, code EverydayLinux or go to Linuxacademy.com slash EverydayLinux, either one works, you get a special discount. So even the prices I just told you are total BS because you won't pay that much if you use that code. Linuxacademy.com. Check them out.
1: You know, and I just want to throw in on that, Mark, that, um, the Linux Foundation did their like kind of 2015 job reports and they found that nine in 10 hiring managers are planning to bring Linux talent on board and 50% are reporting they're going to hire more Linux professionals than last year. So the need is out there. Um, you know, if you dim it and, the need is so great that you don't have to demonstrate expert status. You have to demonstrate competency and then you can really get on the job training in a lot of cases to grow with the job. So the Linux Academy, if you want to get into IT or if you want to get into better IT position can be a great avenue for your advancement.
2: All right. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't know, as someone who occasionally interviews employees, I like uh, I like seeing people with uh, hands-on experience, so that's us make of that what you will. Uh, but that was a short commercial, yeah, so yeah. what's next? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so next is Whoa. you, where we talk about Linux, the state of what? gaming on Linux, and you are a resident expert, Jordan, on those sort of things, but before we go into that whole Linux thing, tell us a little bit about you. Who's Jordan? What do you do? Why should we care?
2: Uh, my name is Jordan Sfung. Uh, you can find me at The Burning Pool on Twitter. I am a co host on Linux Gamecast Weekly, the show that covers Linux gaming news, reviews, how tos, and whatever the hell elks we come up with, as our lovely technical direct- director, Ven, would say. And yeah, we we talk about uh, Linux gaming news. We're uh, on the more technical side of things. Uh, a lot of our audience are game developers. And um, actually, uh, one, one of the cooler people we have in our audience is Aaron Plattner, the head of driver development at NVIDIA, which was kind of neat finding out that he uh, he's a fan of the show. Um, no, but uh, like a bit of my history, I was uh, basically involved with the Fedora project for a number of years. I contributed to their Raspberry Pi operating system. I helped bootstrap the ARMv7HL ARM architecture, and I've been working in Linux since I was maybe 16, 17, so, yeah. Very cool. Which was what, about five years? You look like you're a baby. Possibly. I'm (laughs) only 26, so that's a little more than five years.
0: So uh, you've got some real technical cred there and obviously a love of Linux. Uh, so mm. when, when we talk about gaming on Linux, my one of my contentions all along, and you can set me straight if I'm wrong, is that there oh, really yeah. is almost no, no such thing as gaming on Linux. It's gaming on Windows where you use Wine or something like it to run it sort of sort of kind of kludgily on Linux.
2: Well, that, that, that is a very, very overly simplified view of it. And that was really only maybe like four or five years ago. And even, even then like wine, wine exists to scratch an itch. Cause for those of you who don't know, wine is just an implementation of the win 32 API in Linux. It basically takes the instructions that uh, you would submit to the windows operating system and translates them to Linux. So it, it's really meant for uh, running more than just games like uh, Photoshop or any uh, number of other productivity tools. And wine is great when you have, uh, when you want to actually play games that will never get ported, but, for the longest time, there has actually been effort to put games on Linux. Back in the early oddies, as the uh, as the hipster folks say, there was this uh, little company called Loki Games that published a bunch of games under Linux. Uh, they went under, though. Um, well, even before uh, even before Steam got on the Linux bandwagon, uh, stores like Greenlight or not Greenlight, um, Greenhouse and uh, Humble were selling Linux versions of their games. Uh, so that, and that, that's not even mentioning the panoply of open source games that exist in complete engineering implementations. Like, um, you might have heard of something called Open Morrowind? Sure. Nope. I'm I, I'm I'm seeing the eyes glazed over, deer, cotton headlights. No, uh, if, if you ever heard of this game, it's the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind, and a group of completely insane people have taken it upon themselves to entirely rewrite the engine so that you can just drop the Windows game assets and play it on basically anything. So, so I wow, mean, that's pretty cool.
0: Is is that a? In my again, I I I preface this by saying I'm not a I'm not a gamer. So if I'm mm-hmm. wrong, smack me down. But but what I what I know certainly from the Humble Bundle and my guess is going to be about Greenhouse Games as well is these are not AAA first run modern titles. They're either ports
2: of that, older not, games
0: or they're small not games.
2: Not necessarily. There there are a lot of Indies that actually put out Linux clients uh, for their games. But uh, Humble has been. Well, earlier on, they contributed to porting some uh, bigger games over to Linux. Um, I think they were involved to some degree, and I could very well be wrong with that. Ven's going to be shouting at me on Google+. Plus, um, But I think they were involved with the Shadow Warrior ports. Um, one one of the guys, they recently got to uh, port games, Ethan Lee, otherwise known as Flibbity-Jibbity-Shibbity-Babra-Woo. Um, he's, uh, he's been on a Warpath, basically creating a tool set called FNA to, that allows you to take... Um, games developed for Xbox Live Arcade and just run them on any platform because it's all this dl 2 based um, Sorry, what was the question again? I got a bit sidetracked. <laughs> AAA games <laughs> versus, Tri- you know... AAA others. games. I, I mean, like, AAA games existed on Linux for a while. Doom was probably one of the first AAA games ever to come with Linux Quake shortly after that. Um, the number of, uh, number of low-key ports actually fairly early on. And even then, now we're getting uh, stuff like Shadow Warrior. Feral is putting out... Uh, Company of Heroes, which we had some issues with last week. If you want to know about that, you should check out LinuxGameCast.com, because i got to
3: plug our crap. Um, (laughs) No, you can't. uh, You can't do that, man.
2: (laughs) Screw you. I do what I want. (laughs) I'm taking over this show now. (laughs) Welcome back to the Jordan Show. No. The yeah no there there are uh, Borderlands getting ported by Aspire Civilization there are a lot of AAA games coming to uh, Linux or more specifically SteamOS uh, Valve's own particular distribution um, so it's not just indie games uh, it has been for a while but it's getting better and better and better as more companies get on board so so are these first
0: run games or is it you
2: know like Netflix uh, you gotta it, wait a while. It, it, it de- it depends. Some games will release same day. Um, Borderlands, the pre sequel, which was a pretty big deal, released on all platforms simultaneously. Huge props to the folks at Aspire for uh, pulling that one out of their butts. Oh, they even got cross platform multiplayer working on day one. I pulled that port up wow. as like the the Linux game that, that that's the bar that everything is compared to. Um hell, uh, XCOM got ported. That was a little after the fact, though. We're 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 catching up. Um, hell, uh, Feral is releasing. Well, they're 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 working on Batman Arkham Asylum. Uh, not Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knight. That was the one. Oh God, there's some other person who joined the hangout. My <laughs> God, it's hideous, dear Lord. Uh, I'm trying. So uh, <laughs> the
0: these games, uh, when you when you get a first run day day one, uh, AAA game is it the same experience as you would get on a
2: console or on on windows uh, let's well, let's I, even throw I, the console I, I would, at and just compare I, I, it to- I would arguably say yeah, for sure better than a console. The the main problem though is that um, OpenGL which is the 3D language that uh, folks like uh, Mac OS and Linux use as opposed to DirectX even though I'll, I'll probably get into that a little later. You can technically get DirectX working under Linux. It requires a bit of doing, but um I mean, for the most part, you'll get uh, equivalent performance if the port is done correctly. There, are, there, are, there are a number of ports. You, or a number of types of ports you have to deal with. There's the one that's sort of thrown together after the fact. You got the ones wrapped in stuff like Wine or Eon, and then you have the uh, the games that were actually developed with a cl- uh, cross platform toolset in mind. And those those games will usually have um, very very functional Linux ports out on day one. All right. So let's talk about the role that
0: Steam plays in this. You've mentioned them a couple of times already. They seem to be uh, the yes. the way to play Linux games, uh, you know, the 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 cross-platform for for sliders well, they, they, they
2: they certainly they certainly have the market presence and the fact that uh, if you've bought games on Windows through Steam that all of a sudden you get a Linux client, you can play your games. So Steam is certainly the elephant in the room. Um some of some of the things they've done are not truly healthy for Linux gaming. Um, they they've made a couple missteps, in my opinion, that uh, could have brought a couple more people to the platform than it than currently. Uh, well, no, number one is just like the sheer lack of uh, promotion of Steam Machine hardware. This stuff's supposed to be coming out in November, and the hype train has not been going. In fact, there's quite a lot of misinformation. Uh, yeah, that's about their- you know, the
0: Steam Machine is is it's a device that runs on Linux. That's that they're supposedly positioning as the cornerstone of the company, but like you, there's sort of been radio silence about uh, well, this Well,
2: it, it, it's, it's never going to be the cornerstone of the company. The cornerstone of the company is Dota and TF2. If uh, Valve makes their money by buying and selling hats uh, from players in these games, uh, Steam Machines is a way for them to have a platform that they can control. The, the, the whole impetuous for actually Steam focusing on Linux was uh, back when Windows 8 was coming out, uh, Microsoft was making a big deal about the uh, Windows Store. And so Valve said, well, we don't want to actually have to compete with Microsoft on their own turf. We should have a platform that we control that we can publish games on, and that's where the whole idea of SteamOS came from. Alright. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm if Go I'm, I'm
0: gonna build uh, a rig, so again, take it from a non gamer oh, point of view, uh, do I need more power, less power, the same can can I run Windows games and Linux games on the same hardware with the same experience?
2: Oh well that See, and, and that, that gets into a bit of a sticky thing. Uh, if you have an AMD card, no, go go spend your money on an NVIDIA card. Um, I mean, for the most part, though, uh, uh, I was I was actually I got sidetracked. I was I was going to bring that up, but OpenGL is the uh, is the big is the big problem point for a lot of Linux games because a lot of pe- a lot of uh, computer science uh, folks, when they learn three D libraries and they learn how to you know write three D games, they do it in DirectX. Uh, OpenGL is, DirectX is made for like multimedia applications. OpenGL is actually made for scientific simulations, like uh, medical stuff, ray tracing. So, and it's meant it's built with a certain architecture in mind uh, that doesn't necessarily have shared GPU, CPU, memory, and so on and so forth. So a a lot of developers who are bringing their game to Linux have a lot of trouble with OpenGL, and as such do not produce the same quality OpenGL code. Uh, that you would have DirectX code on the Windows game. So there's going to be a bit of a performance disparity. But uh, a couple of years ago, Valve actually put out a, uh, uh, the results of something they did where they ported their source engine to Linux and to OpenGL. And they found that uh, with optimized OpenGL code, you will outperform DirectX pretty much all the time by a significant margin. Yep. Uh, But but again, that requires optimized code, which um I mean game developers they do a good job, but at the same time they're trying to push a product out under a deadline. They're not a hundred percent focused on creating optimized and good quality code. And that can that honestly does hurt the performance of a lot of Linux games. Which is why you'll you'll see giant gulfs uh take Shadow of Mordor, for instance. Alright, tell me
0: about Shadow of Mordor.
2: Shadow of Mordor. Um there, uh, there are a lot of um, the ultra the ultra setting in Linux just does not work. The 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 features uh, in the DirectX version are well more feature complete than the uh, the Linux version done in OpenGL. And I mean the guys at Feral did their damnedest and they did a pretty good job. The game is fairly playable, no crashes or anything like that. Um, it, it, it's just a matter of if you if you take someone from their Windows PC and you say, hey, check out this awesome crap on Linux. And then you show them, like, the frame rates and the draw times. It's going to be a bit worse. Uh, but ultimately, like, properly written and optimized code for Linux will have perform properly written and optimized code for Windows. Just- All right.
0: So, guys, I have been totally monopolizing the conversation. What do you <laughs> have to say and or ask of our illustrious guest?
3: Illustrious, sure. That's, that's the word you want to use to
1: describe it. <laughs> All right.
3: <laughs> well, that is, you know, Mark using big words.
1: Sure. <laughs> so Chris, you are the gamer. Take it away.
3: Oh, you're going <laughs> to throw it on me, huh? So yeah, much.
2: bring it on Cupcake.
3: <laughs> Ooh. No, I just uh it's, you know, I've been listening to your show for a while now and it's it's a great show, but I I wonder you know, a lot of times you guys do shows and you, you throw your chairs and you guys have higher specs than a lot of people that I hear playing, yes. you know, Linux games. Is there a reason why you use such high-end some of the or I shouldn't say all of them are high end, but, you know, the latest ones have been fairly high end graphics cards. That,
2: that That's true. Um, well, one of one, the one of the main reasons behind that is both then and I have 4K displays and you cannot push that with a little dinky, rinky, dinky video card. I, I actually like gaming at 4K. Everything looks all wonderful when I when I when I have to record footage for Linux Gamecast game and I drop everything back down to 1080p. It looks hideous. So I'm uh, I'm spoiled. Um, so yeah, you, you play time, a game uh, in 4K for a while, and then you walk outside, and you're thinking
0: that looks washed out and dull.
2: No, <laughs> so it's about the same. Uh, yeah. Uh, honestly, honestly, the, uh, the specs, uh, being high is a bit of a concern. That was, that was my main issue when Pedro went and got his new computer was, oh, we had his laptop, which was quite frankly a piece of garbage, but it's a good test to see if your game will run on something with bare minimum specs. I actually have a Steambox in the other room that's AMD based that I occasionally test games on. But really what we want to do is. What we want to do is we want to see how the game shines when you throw massive amounts of hardware at it. What can what can the engine actually do? Let's push the port right. to its limit and see what we what kind of information we can draw. Now, I I, I do agree there is some benefit with having lower spec systems, but we, we're uh we're cooking something up that uh Yeah, we 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 can't we can't talk about it right away, but it should be <laughs> it should be interesting on that regard or on the in regards to that.
0: That's you what you call buttons? a big market tease
2: right there. Nicely done. Yeah,
3: sorry. it was. That was uh, a very yeah. good market tease.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, stay tuned. More information is <laughs> coming down the pipe. LinuxGamecast.com. So
0: if I tune in to tune in, yes, because it's 1940 and I'm turning a knob on a TV set. If I download go. Linux Gamecast, uh, what can I expect out of your show?
2: Horribleness, horribleness, <laughs> and profanity, the likes of which you have never seen. If you're. If, 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 if you're some somewhat of a clean-cut gentleman, you may, in fact, turn to stone. That's entirely Ben's fault. Uh, no, uh, we, we, talk, we talk a lot about um, the finer points of Linux gaming. We talk about uh, the news and the politics and whatnot. Um, it'll, it'll go over a lot of people's heads, but we're, we're, we, we determined a long time ago we're not going after the casual audience. We're going after the people who know what they're talking about and the people who are actually able to affect change. So
3: There you go. Yeah, that's and that's what your cast sounds like whenever I listen to it it sounds like you guys are pushing all the developers to to not just put out a crappy port but it, actually it it re- it's really behind it, it
2: really is a problem. Yeah, um uh, they're, uh, one of the latest kerpuffles we we're talking about on this week's show, Arma 3. They recently put out a Linux port, which was actually just an Eon wrapped. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, a couple games right now in the Steam library, uh, Bioshock Infinite, Spec Ops, The Line, uh, The Witcher 2, were ported by use of something called Eon, which is a, uh, which is a wrapper, uh, that uh, translates it, it's kind of like a proprietary wine where it, it'll translate. Op, uh, it'll translate um, DirectX calls and or Direct3D calls to uh, OpenGL. The problem is it's very heavily optimized for NVIDIA GPUs and Intel CPUs. So and it it also drives the memory requirements up significantly as well. So uh, these guys, Arma, they they put out a port and they said this is this is a courtesy. For our Windows users who actually want to test this on Linux, and that's not a good mentality to have. This is: can we get away with this? Are people willing to swallow our garbage? And uh, unfortunately, a lot of the community seems to be more than willing to uh, take inferior quality ports under the auspices of "Hey, at least we get something."
3: And well, it's still garbage. You know, they they should actually.
2: It's still garbage. Uh, one, one, One of the huge things I try to bring up is that. Uh, while we do have a lot of powerful systems on Linux, GameCast, the a- the average like GPU that the Steam Hardware Survey reports is like an Intel HD 4000. Uh, that that only currently under Linux that only supports OpenGL 3.3.1 uh, until or 3.3 actually until um, the fine folks at Mesa get off their keisters and actually finish OpenGL 4.2 compatibility for the Intel GPU. So you have uh, you're you're having a lot of gamers who can't actually play your games because not everyone has. A- Honestly, like a lot of the people I know who play video games are college students. They have their laptop that they bought for four hundred dollars to do their schoolwork, and they want to play some games. Uh, as it currently stands, the environment that of Linux gaming, a lot a lot of these games cannot be played, or a lot of these more expensive games cannot be played. Indie games, sure, who cares? If you can run them on like a Raspberry Pi. So there, but, there have uh,
0: been some some flyby attempts at uh, like streaming games like that for people with a low end laptop to have a high end experience. Well, uh, those have. All come and gone. I'm assuming because they can't make any money off of it. What, do you have any experience with those sort of things?
2: Well, that 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 is an entirely different thing altogether. Uh, game streaming is something that Valve has put together in the interim to fill the gap between uh, their Linux slash SteamOS and Windows catalogs. With the idea of if I can have a Windows computer somewhere on the network, I can stream. I can play the game on there and stream the output to uh, to another computer running Steam. Uh, which could be a Linux computer or another Windows computer, um, no, that's, that's and, not what and, I was
0: talking about. I was talking about, I, I can't remember the name of it right now. It's, it was like on stream, uh, like, something like that. They, no, literally, oh, oh, they have a server, and you've got a... a you're,
2: you're, you're, you're thinking of uh, on live. That's and, it. Yeah, you've
0: got an RDP yeah. session into their machine, and uh, yep. you know with not, all the lag not, not, and all that really, awesome stuff that not, goes not with really
2: it. Not really RDP. RDP would be entirely unfeasible well. for gaming. Uh, it's, uh, hell, like even, even what uh, Steam has is essentially nothing more than hardware-accelerated VNC that they uh, bought from NVIDIA. That's the same stuff that lets you stream games to your Shield tablets.
3: Um, right. It's kind of like a Spice protocol,
2: a little bit, yeah. Uh, but the the I mean that 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 is a solution. Um, but the, it's a the solution that's economy. gone out of business, so it's not a good it's a, it, solution. It's it, 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 well yeah, it's not really a good solution mainly because internet in the United States, where this company is based, is crap. You guys. Uh, yeah, you but guys at least we pay not. a lot for it. So you, you know, <laughs> not as much not as much as Canada. My God, you guys have it so easy, so easy. It sucks up here.
0: <laughs>
2: Thanks, Obama.
0: Yeah, that's his fault. I'm sure somehow. Right.
1: No, it's George so Bush's he, fault. Obama hasn't gotten around to fix it yet. Let's be go. let's be right in our bashing.
2: Sure,
0: sure. So, sure. so you said, uh, you told us a little bit about the show. What is your target audience? Now you said you're, you're trying to call the developers on the carpet, who, but they're not your core audience. Are they? They're not who you're talking to. Who's your audience well, for your show?
2: Our, our, our core audience are like people who grew up using Linux and like playing video games. I mean, what, uh, what our, our the, the, the download statistic I like to parrot that's already like several, several months old because we get uh, 20,000 uniques per episode. Which is pretty good. So we're, we're reaching some people, and it seems to be a lot of technically implied inclined people, sysadmins, programmers, people who actually have a legitimate interest in Linux and gaming on Linux. So so uh, it sounds like we need we
0: to drink and curse more, and then we'll have a bigger audience. So <laughs> Maybe.
2: Uh, yeah. Maybe. You, you can also try getting naked. That might work. Or maybe just talk about Linux
0: once in a <laughs> while. Maybe that would help. Well, that's, that's why you brought me on, isn't that right? Yes. yes. Once, once every few months, we bring on a guest who actually mentions Linux. Yes, actually,
2: <laughs> at least once in a while about. indeed so um, what else did you guys want to talk about I jotted down some notes in your little document yeah, so I, I had
0: it. just sort of three categories there you've already hit some of those but hit, hit the good bad and the ugly of gaming on Linux right now not just companies oh, yeah. but in terms of experience what am I going to run into if I go build a machine and start gaming on Linux what, what are things that I need to make sure I beeline for what are things that are okay and what things should I totally stay away from
2: all right. Well, if you if you want to build yourself a computer to run Linux and play games, uh, pretty much your, the the main requirement is at least eight gigabytes of RAM and a NVIDIA GPU. because if you have an AMD card, your is not going to work 100 percent. Now, um, I, I'm actually going to get into that on. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, the driver situation on Linux is sort of a mixed bag. The open source drivers, uh, Mesa, which is the open source implementation of OpenGL, uh, is making some significant progress. Um, they've recently had added um, complete support for OpenGL 4.2 to the core of the system. The individual drivers are not there yet, but um, the proprietary drivers, um, AMDs, are just complete garbage. Do not you do not use them unless you're running some ancient kernel. Uh, do not it, well. Let's t- let's talk about that. What uh, is there a preferred
0: distro for gaming? Is one significantly better than the other?
2: So it's. I mean, ultimately, it's all Linux uh, and Steam ships with something called the Steam Runtime, which helps mitigate that significantly. Uh, the idea is the core set of libraries taken from SteamOS, which is a spin of Debian unstable with uh, a newer version of uh, the standard C library, and uh, I believe it's the 3.10 kernel. Um, Well, all all those packages are included with Steam, and the idea is you link against those, and then the disparities between individual distributions uh, libraries should go away. That's not 100% true, but... Uh, Steam. Well, Steam currently recommends Ubuntu 14.04. If you want to take the plunge on SteamOS, you can. It's currently in beta, and uh, you're you're not going to have the full panoply software you would you would in a standard Linux desktop. Because one 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 of the big pieces of misinformation about SteamOS is oh, it's just supposed to be like for regular computers. No, it is a it is a it is a TVOized device. You guys familiar with the concept yep. of TVization? Mm-hmm. But yep. let's yeah. assume the audience isn't. Explain it. Yes, well, I was, was, was going to get into that. Uh Tivoization is basically uh you build up a product that is sufficiently abstracted from the user so that they don't know what's actually running on it. It uh for example, the Tivo, like uh, everyone loves Tivo, it runs Linux. It's been running Linux for years. Um and but most and most people have been using it with no idea. Same thing with Android. Oh yeah, this is great. I it's a smartphone that's not an iPhone. Yeah, well, it's a Tivoized phone. It's running a Linux kernel that has its art runtime or whatever the hell they call it these days. And applications run on top of that, um, but uh, yeah, St- SteamOS uh, is specifically for you build a computer that is going to be dedicated as a console slash somewhat media device. They've added they've actually gotten around to adding proper codec support for the Steam audio player, so it can actually play your music for the most part. That was that was a big thing because before then, it was essentially useless to play. Uh like MP3s, and that was really, really it. Um so yeah, but any 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 reasonably modern up-to-date distribution will work fine. And uh, if you if you want to dig a bit more in that, you can actually remove certain libraries from the Steam runtime and default tier uh distribution state of libraries to increase performance to some degree because there are optimizations that uh, package maintainers thrown in. So um and So what do I, I you mean, run? What's what's your rig? So I, I run a, I, my, my CPU is old as balls. I have an an, uh, an AMD 1090T, which is a hex core Thuban processor running at 3.2 that I really need to get off my a- overclock. I got an NVIDIA GTX 980, 8 gigs of RAM, uh, about 1.5 terabytes of solid state drive. And yeah, that's my system. And I have it, I'll pump it out to a 4K monitor. So, you know, just a little off the shelf unit. Oh no no yeah it's, yeah you you go to Best Buy you pick that up for maybe twenty bucks and you're you're good to go. <laughs> awesome. So
0: could I could I run it uh, run Steam on a Raspberry Pi because it, it really sounds like you don't have much hardware.
2: Well, uh, I, well actually no you can't because Steam is a uh, 32-bit um, i68 or i686 executable which is entirely incompatible with the v 7 or Rv6 instruction set that the Raspberry Pi is running.
0: Yeah, you uh, you guys don't have sarcasm on your show. Um no,
2: I, 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 I just like I just like spouting jargon at you folks.
0: Awesome.
3: That works. So which which uh distros do are you guys running at your show? Uh
2: Pedro and I are running some variant of Fedora. Uh Ven is running Ubuntu. Uh, I like Fedora. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for beginners. Um I used to develop for it. I used to be a paid contributor to it. Um so I that is the particular Linux that I'm most familiar with. Um but yeah, no if you if you I, I as as much as it pains me to recommend it, I'd probably go with Ubuntu for um or one 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 of the Ubuntu variants like Ubuntu or Zubuntu, um instead of just the default Unity mess that uh, Shuttleworth is Shuttleworth is trying to cram down our throats lately. Yeah. Not so much lately. He's pretty dedicated to it. He's <laughs> yeah, it's pretty oh, much a oh, oh my god, they're, they're there, there, there's so much crap going on with Canonical again. That could fill its own podcast. Uh, Matt Garrett, one of the kernel developers, already like devotes half of his blog to just bashing Canonical. Um. So, uh, yeah. But uh, you asked me to talk about the good for Linux gaming, and there, there is there is a lot of good stuff on the horizon. It's not necessarily here just yet. Uh, one, one of the big ones is Vulcan, which is the new uh, 3D language. Wait, wait, uh, let me stop yeah. you
0: real quick. I, I apologize. Uh, but that's the promise of Linux for the last 25 years. It's all, just over the horizon, but not there yet.
2: No, no. You're you're, you're talking about the Linux desktop. Linux, I'm just talking about Linux it, in
0: general, man. It, well, it, obviously, it, it, on the it, server, it buddy. It,
2: it, 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 is is it, it is 100% usable. I'm, I use it as my day-to-day driver. Um, Wall Street runs on it. So, I mean, it can't be that bad. Right. No, I'm, what I'm talking about tests. is from a user experience, right? So the, the the
0: server, Linux owns the server world. We get that. We Linux owns sure. essentially all internet hardware. But for the user experience, you know, it's always been just right around the corner. That's what Shuttleworth is trying to do with Unity. He's trying to bring it over the horizon. I, I think he's I, wrong, I, I, but at least he's committed I, to it.
2: I, I feel like a lot of people say that without having used a modern distribution that may have been true uh, Ten, maybe even five years ago, but cur- but as it currently stands, Linux is entirely usable. Uh, it's just people's resistance to different things. I mean, hell, we had people on Windows XP for like ten years, right. five year or fifteen years, five years after they killed it. And um, still to, to get to get people to move on to something new is incredibly challenging. Which is why I honestly think the uh, Steam Machine is our best bet because it's a TOI's device. You don't even think that you're running Linux. It is this box that I that I plugged into my TV that I play games on.
0: All right, so yeah. back to what you were saying. You're, the best things are just over the horizon.
2: Uh, there, there are some, there are some really cool sh- over the horizon. There is some cool stuff currently in existence that people can leverage right now. Uh, the, the what you can leverage right now, uh, Unreal Four, uh, Unreal Engine Four that uh, Epic put out is a basically free open source toolkit that allows you to build high quality, uh, like AAA class games. And it supports Linux right out of the box. Actually, recently they did something cool. They're supporting ARM builds, so if you you can actually build your Unreal game for the Raspberry Pi. That that was wow. a really, that is a really cool thing that they uh, they recently added to. Uh, 4.9, I think, was the latest release that uh, came out in the past week. Um, And SDL2 is the other big one. SDL2 is uh, it's it's really it's a really bad analogy, but it's the Linux equivalent of DirectX. Essentially, what it does is it it, it'll it uh, it's a library set that handles input, that handles networking, that handles display, um, and it abstracts everything so that a lot of things just work. There was this great presentation that Ryan C. Gordon. Uh, Iculus, he was, he, for the longest time, he was the Linux gaming industry. He had on, uh, the Valve, uh, Dev Days talks where he was saying, this is how you, this is how you draw a window in DirectX. And it's like this page long of like random code. This is how you do it in STL. And it's like two lines. And then he says, oh, wait, no, this is, we forgot to add error checking and it adds two more lines. So STL2 is a very, very simple to use just works um, framework that you can use for your game that will handle the majority of all controllers. Um, it'll export to stuff like PlayStation four, uh, PC, Mac, windows, Linux or windows Mac. Yeah. Uh, Cause PCs are any personal computers. Your Mac is a personal computer. Um, but the, 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 co- and, uh, current, and even now we have, uh, we have a lot of companies that will actively port your game. Um, there's the dude who ported Shadow Warrior whose name escapes me at the moment. I probably should have wrote that down in the notes. Uh, you guys, got, you got guys like Ryan C. Gordon who will port your game. Uh, Ethan Lee, uh, guy Flubba he will port your game. Uh, there, there, there are a lot of resources you can leverage right now to put, to actually produce a workable Linux product out on the market with not a lot of effort because a lot, a lot. What a lot of people don't realize is the main thing is uh, when games come to Linux, they're ported after the fact. They're not developed to support multiple la- platforms from the get-go. They develop it for Windows or they develop it for, uh, for PlayStation or they develop it for Xbox. And then they hand someone else the code and they say, okay, now make this work on these other platforms. That is a bad development methodology. If you, if you take an extra five time units to actually make your design your application to be cross-platform, Adding new platforms just becomes trivial because you just compile it and you say, compile it for this platform, compile it for that platform, and you have something workable. And SDL2 does wonders, wonders for producing builds like that. Uh, but yeah, there, there's some cool stuff over the horizon, uh, mainly Vulkan. That is, that is Vulkan and C Machines are the big ones. Uh, Vulkan is the replacement, or rather the successor to um, OpenGL. The idea is it's designed much in the same way that your DirectX 12s and your Mantle is where you basically just start feeding assembly to the GPU. The problem is uh it well the one the good thing is that it removes a ton of driver overhead. So you're so um there there was this uh, great demo if you check out Linux Gamecast Weekly this week we talked about it uh on an Intel CPU where they have an op- the same demo running in OpenGL and uh, Vulkan. Oh man, I'm 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 boring you aren't I Mark. No, Yay.
0: I'm I'm just listening. I'm actually enjoying watching you. It looks like you're b- sitting on a ball. You're bouncing around there. I'm, I'm I am. I am yes. in fact sitting on a ball. As, all, we, as a fellow ball sitter, I recognize the
2: posture. Yes.
3: Good. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, no. Uh, a lot of the driver overhead is removed with Vulcan. Uh, the execution path is really, really short. Uh, the demo that I was just talking about. Um, there was a there was an OpenGL application running. There was uh, a single core running at about 100 percent and it was running and it was consuming a lot of power. It wasn't performing that great. And when they switched it to Vulcan, Vulkan, um, the, uh, the bottleneck essentially dropped. Uh, the work was offloaded across all four CPUs. Uh, total power consumption research man- resources went way down. Which which is all well and good, this, but that is a controlled demo by Intel people on Intel hardware. The fact of the matter remains that again, we have to we have to go back to the developers, which is what Linux GameCast is trying to address. Um, the uh, The main problem is uh, Vulkan removes a ton of uh, the execution path from the driver, and then says, "Application, you go handle it." which means that the people who are actually writing games have to write proper renderers using Vulkan that leverage all these features that will help with performance. And as we've seen in the past, developers seem to have a problem writing optimized code on Linux or on Windows. So sure. let's, let's talk about that. The, the tools, you know,
0: there's some on the horizon, but there have been, uh, tools available for a while now that let you write smoothly cross-platform code. It's, it may not be super optimized, but it works and it works solidly across all the platforms. What, uh, what's the holdup? Why has, why is, why is there so little support for Linux? Is it just a, a marketing thing? I, I my, Go ahead. But
2: there, there, there is a lot of misinformation about developing on Linux. I think it's a wonderful environment to develop on. There are so many useful tools that basically do your work for you, um, which is what uh, Microsoft tries to do with Visual Studio, and they make their uh, developers who learn Visual Studio entirely dependent on that. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I, th- I think uh, the tool you were talking about is Unity, which has the ability to export. Uh, you can write your game in Windows in um, .NET. And it'll export it to Mono, which is the open source implementation of .NET, uh, which will run on OS X and Linux. Um, But yeah, no, uh, a lot of the builds that uh, Unity will produce are fairly unoptimized. And again, a lot of developers just say they click export and they put the game on the C marketplace and it runs like (laughs) because they did not not actually take time to QA it or put any work into optimizing it. And then people complain, oh, gaming on Linux sucks. Right, because the developers aren't doing their (laughs) Jobs. That's that's the main problem. And why aren't they? Uh, why aren't they? Because they're lazy. Developers are lazy. I work in the software industry. Ben works in the software industry. Pedro works in the software industry. And the one thing we can all agree on is that developers do not like learning new things. They don't like uh, exerting more effort than they actually have to. Um, There, there was an article in uh, PC World about, uh, uh, you, you guys know Obsidian, right? Yes. Uh, yep. Um, They they recently put out a game called Pillars of Eternity earlier this year, and uh, one of of the things the article was going on is, oh, Linux was so hard and blah, blah, blah. And when uh, people actually interrogated them in the forums, they were talking about, oh, oh, we've never actually installed Linux before. Yeah, so you just go to the store and you buy your Linux computer. No, you build a computer for $500 and throw Ubuntu on it. It's not difficult. Uh, there, there, there's, there's a lot of resistance, and just because it is sort of this unknown and marketed at, marketed by other, other entities as the sort of alien operating system, a lot of people don't want to take the time to learn it. But um, and, and mean, there's, just,
0: I mean, there's not enough, there's not a big enough market there to make developers stop being lazy. You know, if, if and, Linux and, and, gamers and, 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 were throwing money at them by the billions, they would stop being lazy.
2: Well and it's a chicken and the egg scenario. Why should I uh, why should I make games for Linux when no one's buying them? But then the the counter argument to that is look at the look at the results from basically any humble sale. Uh Linux users on average pay more and uh pay more for their games despite the fact That a lot a lot of these bundles don't actually have uh, don't actually have games for Linux on that people buy them with the intent of playing them online or just to own them or if they are dual booting heathens, they might go play them on their Windows partitions. Um, But they, they, they still have their purchases tracked as Linux and Linux users do pay more. There is a desire from the Linux community to have high quality games and we're willing to pay for them. Uh, the the problem is with the one percent uh, market share. It's kind of hard to leverage it. But even then, with Steam, one one percent of like a couple hundred million is still a million. If, even if you make one dollar off that game, that's still a million dollars from your Linux users. That's not something to scoff at. True. And and uh, and again, it comes uh, comes back to the Steam machines. We need Steam hardware out in the wild so that people can actually play games on Linux, which will incentivize developers and companies to actually produce games for Linux.
3: The chicken and the egg issue,
2: indeed, and some and companies like Valve and uh, Humble have sort of taken the first steps forward. And I, I mean, if, if if you look at like Windows Windows Ten right now, a lot of people are dissatisfied with the privacy aspect. A lot of just applications don't work with the new operating system. Um, a lot of people are realizing that Microsoft isn't really uh, isn't really the way to go. And in a couple of years, we're gonna we're we're gonna see maybe a shift. We don't know where it's gonna go because. You know, you can't predict the future, but I mean, you can hope that at least Linux, with with outreach programs like the Steam Machines, will get some traction.
3: Well, that means we have to have the actual Steam Machines in the market for us to get it. Because didn't we have another couple of delays on the Steam Machines being actually sent to market again? again?
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so, and if if you actually look at some of the Steam Machines on. Uh, on uh, that, that Valve is advertising. I mean, I'm, I personally am not impressed. They're overpriced and underpowered for what you have to pay for them. Um But again, you're targeting the market of people who buy, like, Alienware PCs and people who buy consoles. So, I don't know. Con- console price range, $500 is kind of cutting it close. And you have these Steam machines for, like, $700 to $1,000. So, I, I I don't know. We're, we, we're putting a lot of eggs in that basket, and we can hope against hope that it will succeed. But the fact remains, they're... Uh, not the most desirable bits of hardware. The Steam Link and the Steam Controller, though, are really, really cool, and I can't wait for November to get my mitts on them because they seem like cool pieces of kit.
3: Yeah, I'm on that list of, of beta order, or early orderers. Oh, Ethan, for-
2: Ethan, don't never pre-order. Never <laughs> pre-order.
3: Oh, <laughs> always pre-order.
2: No, never <laughs> pre-order because you send the message to the people that I will take whatever we'll garbage... something. Yeah, I, I will take the promise of a product over the actual over an actual functioning thing, and uh, the I, I, I could go in with like uh, how how um, Steam refunds are sort of screwed by early access, but uh, that that's Fine. that's me monopolizing Fine. the conversation. Do you guys have anything you want to talk about or any questions that uh, I can maybe enlighten you about? Well, I was just
0: what you made me think about the the whole pre order thing. That's another chicken and the egg problem too, right? We Steam uh, Valve. Anybody wants to see that there's a market out there first, so they make it available for pre-order, and so they go, okay, we've got I, X number of people I, I, who are willing I'm, I'm, to do I'm it. Sorry, I'm
2: sorry, though, in the in in the era of digital distribution, the fact that you have to pre-order something is entirely asinine. Pre-ordering came from when I had to go to my freaking electronic boutique to get a copy. Well, okay, of Okay, so
0: for games, but I'm talking about hardware. So, so the C machine hardware, you can't digitally download that. You've got to spin up hardware. You've got to do production. So, you need to know yes. that there's a market there first. Yes.
2: Uh, and that, and that is true, but uh, when you're asking people to put down thousands of dollars as a down payment for the promise of a console, that's uh, you're you're not going to get too many people biting that hook. Yeah.
0: It's it's sort of it. I think it would be more efficient if a if a company did more of a Kickstarter thing than
2: than Valve trying to pre order. Maybe, Maybe. I, I, I think Valve just needs to start promoting it more aggressively the, or caring in general. Yeah, or or caring in general. That there, there is something to be said about Valve's apathy and their rather lazy fair approach to Steam and their products. But uh, that, that that's its own thing.
3: But you know, even um, on, the, on that thought process, you know, you, you also have the fact that Steam doesn't advertise much in general.
2: They, they they really don't. They they rely on word of mouth, which works for them. But that again, you're selling uh, Windows games to people who have Windows computers as opposed to trying to market like actual uh, a piece of hardware, a, a, a product to people.
0: So what about, so we've talked about the hardcore gamer. What about the
2: casual gamer? What's the, what's
0: the experience like for just oh, your fa- casual ab- ab- gamer on ab- Linux?
2: Ab- ab- absolutely fantastic. There are a ton of casual games on Linux, uh, less graphically intensive ones. If you like puzzle games, if you like platformers, if you like some degree of racing games, there's not a lot on Linux, but they do exist um there there' a, a lot of indie games just because, just by virtue of them uh using unity as their uh tool set uh produce a linux build and because they're relatively low um they're low quality not necessarily low quality as in like bad games but because they have lower system requirements and they're less complex games they'll run reasonably well just out of the box yeah i i,
0: again, I can again, get, no. i can go crazy with some frozen bubble but that's not exactly a hardcore <laughs> linux game
2: no no. On, on, honestly, the casual game awesome. that eats all the the casual game that eats all my time is FTL my God I'm addicted to that. The, they they have a version of that now that runs in asm.js in the browser so you don't even need like an operating system to to play FTL and I made a conscious decision to not buy that because I will enter the bathroom and never leave
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've just sucked one year of your life away <laughs>
2: uh, yeah no, that that, 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 all, that all went down the toilet um, oh. But yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, but there, as much as like there, there are cool. There, there's a lot of good in the in the realm of Linux gaming. There, there, there is a lot of bad too, and a lot of it has to do with companies. That, is it getting uh, better?
0: In how long's on, the, the the podcast been on the air? On the uh, w- so
2: we 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 have been recording. We actually had our uh, 3 year anniversary a couple of weeks ago. So, in the three years you've been doing the show, have
0: things been markedly better, or have you have you still oh, been uh, looking uh, for uh, things absolutely. on the rise? Absolutely.
2: When uh, when we started, Steam for Linux wasn't a thing. The Humble Bundles were just starting to get into Linux games, and like the when uh, like we we actually have an entire segment of we actually added an entirely new segment of our show when Steam got released because it's like holy crap, there's actually games on Linux now. There's a chance. Ah, happy day. Well, you know what that means. That means you personally can
0: take credit for Steam on Linux. You did it because it didn't exist when you did your podcast. Now it
2: does. It was you. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah awesome. it, it is all It is all me. I'll bow towards your God. Yes. <laughs> let, let me ask him it. All right. I'm, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not seeing you guys bow. Come on, dudes. Play along. I'm, I'm bowing inside. <laughs> it's in, inside. the
1: lag on the internet. You
2: can't That's see it. That's what it, it is. it. Ah, uh, heathens you you we will feel your god emperor's wrath let me tell you <laughs>
0: all right so we're we're right around the hour mark already and i i, I sense right. that i could turn the key on in the back and wind you up and you could go for another hour so let's Probably. uh let's just say wrapping up this the whole discussion a little bit give me 90 second wrap up if nobody listens to anything else that we've talked about so far what do they need to know about gaming on linux
2: um use nvidia uh support uh companies that actually produce linux games if they make promises for linux games and don't deliver do not give them money do not actually buy something until they they come out and say this is a linux version that you can download and play right now because otherwise you get companies like larian and arrowhead who will take money with the promise of a linux port and then never deliver which is a huge problem this is this is happening a lot with a lot of the kickstarter back games it's it's happening just with like um Gauntlet was on Steam pre-order, um, but gaming on Linux is a very real thing. You can do it. It doesn't take a lot of effort. You can install Steam on most major distributions. They have installers for it, and it will, for the most part, work out of the box. So it's pretty freaking tits. So in, I, I, the, I wholeheartedly recommend it.
0: In in the early days, I I I often like liken computers to cars, right? So in the early days, there was no difference between a car owner and a car mechanic. And in the early days of computing, there was no difference between a computer owner and a programmer. Um, in the early days of Linux, there was no difference between a Linux user and a developer. Uh, in terms of of gaming on Linux or Linux in general, you know, you're the Fedora guy. Chris here is is actually a certified Fedora ambassador. So we got two Fedora gods on the show. Uh, if if I'm just a regular guy, have, have we reached the point where you don't have to be a, a computer expert to game on Linux?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, there is, um, like, hell. Uh, installing Linux is quite literally as simple as clicking a couple buttons after popping your flash drive or your ISO and uh, getting Steam installed. You can literally just Google "How do I install Steam on insert distribution of choice," and the first result is basically all you need to do: log in, start downloading games, and start playing. That's that's really it. Chris, what are your thoughts on that?
3: I would agree with everything he said. Um, the only thing that would I would say. In my opinion, the state of Linux gaming is back where we were when Diablo first came out for Windows. It's there. It's possible, but it's not optimized yet.
2: Oh, so. I, 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 I wouldn't even say that. I think, I think that's a faulty analogy because uh, it, it's certainly here. Um, there are, there are lots of good games on Linux. I will, I will forever point to the Borderlands uh, series as Linux oh, yeah. games done correctly. Um, it, it, it's just a matter of getting more people on board and getting more people using the platform so that there, Which is, is, I said, there, there, there is financial and monetary incentive for people producing the next games.
3: Sure. Which is why I said that it feels like the the, the market is where PC gaming was when Diablo and Diablo 2 first came out. Um, it's there. We can do it. It's not a big problem, but I think that we still need you know not just users behind it, but we need Need some developers to get behind it too, and once Absol- that happens, abs-
2: absolutely.
3: Once that happens, the ball will roll, and everything will be. It'll change the world, I think.
0: So we're we're at, tip we're at the- that tipping point, you think, or we're close to it?
3: I we, think we're we're, close. We're, we're
0: we're certainly
2: close to the tipping point. Really, really, November seems to be the make or break period. So uh we'll see.
3: All right, I'm. I'm going to be interesting to see.
0: I'm going to call that part of the discussion over because poor Seth hasn't had anything to say for nigh on an hour now because he's just not a gamer, and also because we have a whole other sponsor that I have to tell you about, and I totally forgot. I'm not used to having two sponsors. Forgive me for being a bad host. Let me tell you a little about about some guys who approached me a couple of uh, weeks ago, months ago, sometime in the recent past, and say, hey, we, we want to be on your show, and I said, that's great. That's, that's flattering and I appreciate it, but I don't do ads for people. I don't know their stuff. And I said, here, have a free login. Try it. So I did. DigitalOcean.com. Um is, uh, it's hosting plus, right? So it's not just a shared hosting provider like Hostgator or HostMonster or something like that. Uh, it's a full on server that you own in the cloud. Uh, it's cloud based. They, they, it's the digital ocean. You, you spin up what they call droplets and they're super fast. They're running, a uh, uh, KVM. So you get hardware, your direct access to the hardware. Um, and everything is built on SSD, uh, drives. They're super fast. In fact, you can, you can, from the, from start to login is about 50 seconds. I, I picked uh they have all sorts of one click installations so I picked the Drupal button. So I clicked the button and and it was literally about 54 seconds between the time I clicked the button and the time I logged in and had a full uh Ubuntu install with uh, Apache configured and PHP configured and Drupal installed and a database created and I was ready at the login prompt. Um, and it's, it's pretty amazing that they, they can do that that fast, but it's also, you know, each of their machines has a full, uh, gigabit access to the, to the internet to the webs so you get you got plenty of speed there the all the machines are are uh, hex core machines running dedicated ecc ram so they're super fast uh, everything is rate it's it's reliable their job is to make you look good and if you're not just a regular server guy but you're uh, a, a developer as well they have an entire back-end api so you can spin up your server and not have to be a server manager you can use their uh, uh, api to manage your app online so they have their uh, various cost things. Their low-end model, if you just want to check it out, uh, you spin up a machine, you get half a gig of RAM. It's a one-core processor, 20 gigs of, of storage space, and one terabyte per month of transfer. That's only five bucks a month for that. Uh, the next one up that most people, that's probably going to be the middle of the road is for $10 a month. You get a gig of RAM, a one core processor, 30 gigs of storage and two terabytes a month. If you want to run uh, a blog, a, you know, a web server, uh, certainly not, um, a, a video hosted podcast. But, uh, if, if you're just a regular user, that $10 a month thing is probably going to be right for you, but you can go all the way up, uh, even more. And, and you can see these prices are a little more than shared hosting, but not, Super expensive. Uh, but the neat thing is if you uh, use the code EverydayLinux or if you use the the link uh, on our show, uh, uh, elementop.com slash digitalocean, um, you get a $10 credit. So you buy that $10 machine, you get a $10 credit. Essentially, you get a month free to check it out. You don't like it, you cancel it, you walk away, no harm, no foul. They believe in their product that much that they're going to put their money where their mouth is. Uh, if you want to do the uh, the low-end guy, the $5 a month, when you get two months to check it out. Uh, so I... I fired it up. I I tried an experiment just to see what would happen. I typed in, uh, I loaded up a Fedora install. I typed in RPM install. I can't even remember the command now. I'm so far out of Fedora. Anyway, I installed the, the GNOME desktop. Over a thousand different packages, huge giant squids coming out of the server all over the place. That whole thing was done in like four minutes. Bam. I now had a GUI login on a server, which by the way, it's not a good idea. Please don't do it. But I just did it to test, and uh, I tried uh, to
2: – go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say RPM compresses the crap out of their, uh, out of their packages. It's all LZMA2XZ compression. Actually, I did want to correct you on one thing, though. KVM doesn't give you direct hardware access. It's all, ver- it's all done in software. It's just highly optimized, and there are a lot of kernel hooks to allow close to hardware access, but it's okay. not quite –
0: Thank you for the correction. I I was under the impression that the the KVM hypervisor gave you hardware access. So that's not uh, DigitalOcean's no. talking points. That's
2: mine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No. I can't, uh. Well, that's not important. Here, <laughs> I, I corrected you. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I I expound on the difference between KVM and different virtualization technologies. But this isn't. Uh, Everyday virtualization. It's everyday Linux. Yeah. So
0: I appreciate yeah. you butting into my ad, though, because no, I'm uh, I'm kidding. I'm pretty much done there. Check them out. Uh, they they are. Uh, I wouldn't bring them to you if I didn't believe in the company and the product. So that's what I have to say about that. Um, and now let's talk a little bit about the news of the week because Seth went through all the trouble to find the stories. We uh we have to uh, have to talk about it. And of course this is the Everyday Linux Show. We got to talk about Windows 10 right off the bat.
2: No oh boy. Ugh.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, of course. You know, it has been out for a month. And so, uh, I found this article on CNET that talks about the market share and Windows 10, they're up to like 5% of the desktop market. So that puts them ahead of Mac OS. And of course they dominate, um, all of our. Linux hopes and dreams. Um, not quite up to Windows eight yet. And, um, they're still nowhere close to Windows XP, but one month in Windows 10 has captured over five percent of the market share. So yay, Windows. It's
3: not hard. It's not that hard to do. And it's a almost, almost a forced download.
0: One of the probably the single most uh, often asked questions I get from my non technical friends is should I update from Windows eight to Windows 10? And my response is it can't be worse than Windows eight um and i i've done it on my own kid's laptop uh it had windows and i had to put windows 10 on it was a non-event it was fine um so yeah uh, i'm kind of with you when you're when you're pushing it that hard uh you really can't make hay out of
1: of desktop numbers
0: but you know it's there it's fine as so far it I, as far as i know it hasn't killed anyone
1: well and the yes. the thing that uh, impressed oh, oh, oh. me was Windows XP still has twelve percent market share, and that is just yeah, that, under the combined for Windows eight and Windows eight point one. So people are I'll, loving I'll, I'll tell their you, XP still.
2: I'll, I'll tell you why that is China.
1: Yeah, people who Devinhurst. don't
2: have legal copies to begin with. Yeah, there, there, there are there are, there are so many pirated copies of Windows XP in China that that. For sure, is why those XP numbers will exist until the end of time. Yeah, China and Russia both. Um,
0: so uh, yeah. th- the next story up, which is kind of fascinating to me, because this is uh, this is Amazon playing into their strengths in that they've got this whole storage network built. Prime, Amazon Prime goes offline.
1: Yeah, yes, basically they are kind of seeing, because you know, I mean, Amazon is Vigit or digital, uh, their video offerings are not as strong as Netflix. So one of the ways that they're kind of differentiating themselves and they just, you know, to kind of expound the benefits of Prime is you can download something to watch it later. So you don't necessarily have to have a live collection. You can, um, you can click a download button, like, especially in the iOS or Android app and say, Hey, I want to watch this movie when I get home, but I'm going to use the wifi at work. So I don't burn through my data plan download. And then when you get home, you can watch it. So I thought it was kind of cool. Um, you know, Amazon prime for, you know, a lot of people who have, metered internet connections you you can you know hang outside starbucks or mcdonald's or work or something like that and you can get your uh digital fix on for when you get home so i think it's kind of yeah, cool no, no, and it addresses nine a hours meet.
2: later
0: yeah it, it was nice of you to put that uh, in that order starbucks mcdonald's work but let's be honest everybody's doing it at work um, <laughs> this is only on mobile Android iOS and, and the fire TV, which is kind of odd there that that one is stuck in the mix. That's the, the thing that is probably the most, um, connected, right. It's connected to your home network, but right. I'm guessing that they're going for the, the TiVo effect. They want you to be yep. able to just download a bunch of stuff and watch it when your power's is out. I'll,
2: Possibly. Do, you, do any of you guys have a Fire Stick? I don't know if it has, like, a like a USB port or something. Now, there's only, like,
0: 19 track. people in the world that have a Fire Stick, and we're not. We're not one yeah. of them.
1: Well, but, you know... <laughs> well, then also, you're doing it wrong! <laughs> yeah, also, this plays into, like, the people who have satellite, because a lot of those, even though you're metered and you have a cap, a lot of them offer an unlimited option like over the night hours when the usage is down so you could program it to say at midnight download these movies and then so it doesn't count against your daytime data cap but you have it for later i so.
2: actually have that exact uh, setup i get uh, un- i get unmetered uh, bandwidth in between uh 2 and 6 a.m um, and, and it also helps to
0: the the prime time uh, issue with anybody who's got Netflix uh, knows that uh, the the time that you want to watch tel- uh, Netflix is not the time that you can watch Netflix. You know, between seven and ten p.m. <laughs> Eastern time is the worst time to be watching Netflix, and it's it's less so for Amazon in my experience. Uh, but you know, uh, it's there's still the whole bandwidth thing. So the idea of of time shifting your download so that you can watch your content when you actually want to watch your content. It's kind of brilliant, and and Amazon has built their their business on having servers all over the world and just having virtually infinite storage, so it plays right into them. They can do what Netflix can't. Netflix doesn't have the infrastructure to do that, so I really think this is going to be a winning thing. I do both. I, I would say uh, my viewing uh, is 70-30, uh, Netflix versus Amazon, but this could shift it.
2: Uh and in, interestingly enough, uh at least early on Netflix was storing their uh video content on S three, which was in that, which was which meant that no matter what you were paying Amazon for your service. I'm curious what the actual limits of um this uh downloading option is. Does it let you only download one or two movies? Or is it just like you can fill up your uh fill up your drive with uh downloaded well, stuff from Amazon I've, Prime?
3: I've done this. I've actually done this already. Mm. Um when it came I out I, I already I already pulled down I pulled down um what was it five episodes of oh what was that what is that movie or that tv show Lo, uh, not lost girl but um
0: it doesn't matter nobody's gonna know Name yeah. something
3: same oh. yeah anyway or orphan black <laughs> okay that's it, it was, I, I downloaded I five episodes orphan black. you
2: want to you want you want to talk about black let's talk about black
3: <laughs> well I just are you are you, are you a member of the clone club but uh you downloaded the whole started- series I downloaded five okay. and it worked without a problem. Didn't even, didn't even hiccup.
0: See, what so, I would love to be able to do is like download all 15 seasons of something and store it off to the side and have that just ready to chew on anytime I want.
2: I, I, I think Amazon would probably put the kibosh on that, though, because that, that is a fairly uh, well open vulnerability for at least pirating videos right. off of their service. And they have their partnerships that they got to protect so, I mean, well, it, it, it's a cool thing. It certainly sets them aside from Netflix. Um, but as a non-Prime customer, because I live in Canada, where that service is kind of, yeah. well, so we'll see how it goes. Maybe, maybe then we'll be super into it because he loves the Amazon Primes. Yes,
3: it'll be interesting to find out. I didn't have a chance to dig into it to see if it's an encrypted blob on the phone. It's got my be. tablet, but it's, uh, uh, it, 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 it's it got to be somewhere. U-
1: universally, is yeah. Well, I I didn't put it in here, but there's a company that is cashing Netflix for you. You pay a $7 a month fee, and what happens is... You can down, you can program it to download stuff, but in order to play it, you have to have an authenticated Netflix session. So you would need to be logged into Netflix to play it. Yeah. And if they pull it off, if Netflix pulls it off their catalog, you can't play it at your house. Um, you know, if What's- you cancel your Netflix membership, if the DRM baked in would prevent you from playing it. But so Netflix. What. what, 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 what-
2: I was—I was, I was going to just quickly say, what's the over under around those guys getting a season desist in the next six months?
1: Well, actually, it's one of those things that ne- Netflix knows they're there, but um, you know, it's kind of like Netflix has been public. We're not going to do this, but if you want to do it, you well, and <laughs> there's licensing because you have to have a Netflix membership, and then you have to have a membership to this company, so it basically doubles <sighs> the price of your Netflix subscription. And I was looking for—I I, I couldn't find it. Oh, but- sorry, continue.
0: If you're uh, if it, you're a full-on cord cutter, that double price may be totally worth it to you. Most people pay for, uh, well, not not most people. Everybody who has a TiVo pays for that TiVo, right? So this is bringing the yeah. TiVo to the the offline guys, the cord cutters. So I, I think it's a it's an interesting idea. We'll just have to see what happens with it.
2: Mm-hmm. It reminds me a bit of that whole Aereo mess, so, we'll, so which oh. was per, was which was perfectly legal until the courts decided that it wasn't because it was wow. too good an idea. Aereo
0: broke but, my heart. It's like we we conv- we created this entire uh, Rube Goldberg contraption just so we could be perfectly legal every step of the way, and the court said, "Yes, you are perfectly legal every step of the way." But when you add up all those legal steps, it's an Ill- illegal process. Sorry, you're gone.
2: Yeah, no, we're yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna change the rules because it's too good an idea, and uh, we're in the pockets of other folks. Um, Thank you, so, Supreme Court, for what's, uh, yeah, not what's doing
0: next? anything. So, uh, surprise, surprise! Windows doesn't want you to use anything but their own browser.
1: Yeah, shock. You know. To me, this is a non-issue. I just want to put it out there. If you're a Microsoft fanboy, it's a non-issue. If you're a Google fanboy, then this is another example of Microsoft using their uh, (laughs) monopolistic powers to keep the everybody else down. But Microsoft is only a monopoly on the desktop and has, you know, usage points out the desktop is becoming a smaller and smaller percentage of overall network use. And so, yes, Microsoft is like, Hey, it's our operating system. We really want you to use our browser. So if you search for Google Chrome, one of the links at the top is going to be Google Chrome sucks in Windows 10. Um, but, you know, you can still do it. I personally, I don't have a problem with this, but it was just some some fear mongering that, um, you know, some people are throwing up. Just, you know, I mean, Google's like, hey, we do this on our stuff and it's okay, but you can't do this on your stuff. That's wrong.
0: So this is the exact thing that Microsoft spent 10 years in court over in the 90s. And so yep. they're just going to try
2: it
1: again just for fun.
2: Well, oh, yeah, no, and, well, and, you know, and you know what the best long-term solution for this is?
1: Install Linux.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, and, you know, it's one of the things, again, it's not really a big deal because They're not, it's not a monopoly. I mean, I don't, yes, they, you know, yes, they have the overwhelming desktop market share, but so what? So yeah. And they, it doesn't like prevent you from installing Firefox. It just says, Hey, our browser's better.
2: it's it's fud though it's it's information yeah. warfare and to some and to some degree that's even worse than uh stopping people from outli- outright uh, installing a piece of software on their system because it's allowing misinformation to exist in the wild and then spread which but is which I, which I think is criminal but that's yeah that's where the courts decide ultimately
1: but by this time. Uh, People who are Firefox users are going to use Firefox. People who are Chrome users are going to use Chrome. People who are Safari users are just stupid. And everybody <laughs> else uses Internet Explorer. You know, it's not like yeah. this, some Firefox users are going to go, oh, my gosh, I can't use Firefox anymore. They're going to say, oh, whatever. I'm no, gonna no, Firefox no. No, that.
2: no, But but uh, grandma and grandpa are going to see this and they're going to ask stupid questions and they're going to base their purchasing decisions based on bad information, though. And again, if, if you repeat something enough, people will believe it as fact, despite the fact that it can be provably false. I don't know. Microsoft so. can repeated many times
0: that Vista was a solid OS, and nobody believed that.
2: Um, I, mean, I mean, okay. To, to, to be fair, I'm probably going to lose some Linux cred after the first couple service packs. It was actually Vista quite fine. was. Yeah. It, it was on par with Windows Seven because they basically ripped everything but the UI out and replaced it with Windows Seven code. I've, so. I've, I've said that many times. Uh, Windows XP actually became a very solid operating
0: system. It was just released too early. Uh, uh, something. You, that, you're, you're, let's move on to the next one. This is an interesting story that um, that we're probably going to have a guest on in the near future to talk about. But uh, is the FCC trying to make sure that you can't hack or your own I, uh, uh, what's the thing router? That's the word.
1: Yeah, your wireless home router. Get,
0: home get with.
1: yeah no i uh you know there was a legitimate issue where the f a a was concerned um with wireless uh in the airport causing you know legitimate issues, and so they contact the f c c and of course the f c c heavy handed came down and basically their document says. You can't change the settings on a wifi device. And then people are trying to comment, but it's kind of hard to comment when the FCC takes their servers down for maintenance. So they've right. extended the comment period and then the follow up comment period. And the thing they want to do is they want to prevent the, um, the power output to the antennas. They, and, but because again, people who are Idiots in this field are writing specs for this field. They don't know what they're doing. The unintended consequence is going to be the browser or the... Um, router manufacturers are going to say the easiest way to comply with this is to lock it down and eliminate, you know, DDWRT or any other type of third-party aftermarket firmware replacement for a router. So,
0: and and so they're gonna they're looking at maybe doing some sort of UEFI locking down of the BIOS and making that law. That's the thing that bothers me. It's not a recommendation. It's not. They're thinking that they might might want to make this federal U.S. law. That you have to lock down these things, and I admit I am part I admit, of the problem, yes. right? So I'm running DDWRT That's on perfect. my machine. The default value for the uh, antenna output is 71 milliwatts. I have it cranked up to 750 milliwatts so that I can actually get signal upstairs in my bathroom. Because who needs you? You need Wi-Fi when you poop, obviously. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm part of the problem there. And if you uh, uh, if you can crank that up to you know one watt of power, that is certainly way more than uh, you might want uh, somebody to have who happens to have. Have a condo uh, at the end of a runway, but because now, you know a few people might do it the 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 desire here is to codify law so that uh, a few people can 't be bad neighbors
2: now here, here, here here's the uh, here 's the tinfoil hat perspective on that so there was uh, I think there was a def con talk um a couple of weeks ago about some guy who came up with this device that's essentially a physical wireless proxy. That uses open uh, open ba- uh, bandwidth to basically transmit a wireless signal across many many miles to a uh, to something connected to a standard eight hundred two eleven wireless network. Uh, the, the guy demoed this, and then two days later, all messages from that on the website were shut down due to some unspecified yes. complaint from the U.S. Department of Defense. So I think what's ha- what might be happening is they're trying to crack down on people trying to create devices like this that so would stop the government from tracking you.
0: Yeah, and if so, you also want to go, you know, uh, Edward Snowden route, uh, if the government can make it a law that you have to encrypt firmware so that you can't uh, modify it, that also means that you can't detect and and bash yeah. their
2: listening devices that they are putting in the chips. Mm, no, yeah. Another nitpick, uh, you, that wouldn't be a UFI thing on these guy on these sorts of routers because they're all MIPS boards. Well, I you said Uf- have have- UFI
0: like. Con- yeah, it, it,
2: it, 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 it's it's all done in the bootloader because right. you don't actually need a BIOS for these machines. So, Linux kernel that runs DDWT, and actually any of these other um, uh, operating systems that exist on these wireless routers are more than capable of handling BIOS level tasks. Right.
0: So, the the idea is to, and the fact the technology doesn't doesn't exist. So, this would be government fiat dis- defining. The creation of technology, the implementation of that technology, and the inability of any customer who, uh, business who does, uh, any company who does business in the U.S. to opt out of it, and the inability of any customer who resides in the U.S. to opt out of it. So for those reasons, technical aside, that is a governmental overstep that's a bad idea. And I recommend that you go to savewifi.org and at least educate yourself on the process.
1: But Mark, it's okay because we're still the land of the free, right? But and and until, it's, it's,
2: it's fine because your Wi-Fi router will still kill your sperm count. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I've got my three kids. I'm good. Uh, yeah, in fact, too. that
2: would save me a surgery. That um, <laughs> <laughs> would be fine. Hey, then, then you can speed that up with a microwave. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That uh, that hurts. Uh, I'm just saying not that I've tried it. it, it. it I'm just it, assuming it hurts, that, it hurts, that would be so painful. good. <laughs> my God. That hurts. so good. <laughs> So, you got to, most of them won't go with the door open.
2: So, how do you, and never mind. Moving right along. Not, not, not with that attitude, it was, But I think you got, you got one more story you got to, you want to take a stab at? Um, I,
0: I think I'm done with the news. But this week in history, what happened, Seth?
1: Okay, we're going back in the internet time machine. George Stibitz pioneers the first remote operation of a computer. September the 9th, 1940. So pre-World War Two, from an American perspective, um, we were already figuring out how to remote into computers. So I don't know what he would be doing at this time, but, you know, maybe he, like, um, threw a punch card, figured out some way to throw a punch card across <laughs> But I mean, he pioneered it. So, you know, you can think of George Stibitz every time you are remoting, you are remotely accessing a computer or server. Way to go. So this George. would be
0: the first, probably the first instance of a dumb terminal or something like it, um, where you you know uh, have some sort of thing set up. You're not actually punching cards, but yeah, that that is way the heck back
1: there that I mean, we if, were. If only to there were some repository of information where we could look up and see exactly <laughs> what he did. I didn't. I just found uh, that he,
2: uh, he he coined the term the term digital. Apparently, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article for George Stibitz for right now, so.
1: Ah, yeah, interesting. Wikipedia.
0: If you can't trust anonymous strangers on the internet, who can you trust?
1: Well, you have That's to... Re- of- remember, yeah. I think it was Abraham Lincoln. They, they, they cite their sources. So. Yeah. yeah, Abraham Lincoln said, if you can't trust strangers on the internet, who can you trust, if I remember That's correctly?
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a vampire, so don't believe him anyways. <laughs> oh, wow, spoiler alert! Country. Gosh! <laughs> that, that that Yeah, that might have been spoilers if you haven't finished reading Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, but the book's been out for like seven years now. Yeah, so what is I,
0: what is the statute of limitations on spoilers? I mean, if I tell you that in Crying Game he's a she, is that a spoiler for something 20 years old? No, no. She
2: is a she, Yeah, man. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I gotta get your terminology correct. Just oh my address gosh. Them by the gender they, address them by the gender they prefer to be called by, dude. That's just how <laughs> it works. Be in,
1: polite. In 1940, Stibitz used a teletype to send commands to the complex number computer over telegraph. So telegraph. using a telegraph line. Uh, well, that wow, that dude. actually
0: makes perfect sense to me because telegraph is binary. Right, Morse code yeah. is binary. So that's that's brilliant. Um, go, makes go, perfect go, sense. Uh,
2: if if you want a bit of additional little uh, cool sh- look up afterwards, go check out the Victorian internet. That was kind of neat. There was an entire network of telegraphs of people just transmitting messages and information back and forth. All right so
0: Jordan, uh, other than linuxgamecast.com, do you have uh, a favorite site on the web or something that you'd like to point our listeners to?
2: Yeah, sure, you can head on over to pornhub.com. no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no do that uh, at work. make sure you go to work to do that. Oh yeah, no, just uh you know, you know go to the playground without your uh, without your tablet and just go to go to Pornhub. It's perfectly healthy, man. Just not in public. Uh, no, uh, not really featured anywhere else but LinuxGameCast.com. You can find me, I mean, on my Twitter, Google Plus profiles at uh, The Printing Fool on Twitter, plus Trinsfung on Google Plus. Um, but beyond that, yeah, most, uh, most of the crap I do is on Linux GameCast and occasionally this podcast.
0: Yeah. So, cool. so that means you're pointing on coming back. That sounds like occasionally it means more than once.
2: I have no idea. Are you guys gonna
0: have me back. <laughs> you think I'm gonna invite you back after this fiasco? Have,
2: have you had enough punishment? <laughs> Are you not entertained?
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh seth what do you have for your show closing spectacular in the dev random section of the
1: show okay i wanted to amp up the random because it had been a while so uh if you go over to zombie passions with an s.com the 100 percent free dating and social networking site for <laughs> zombies and zombie lovers <laughs> um you know, you can find I'm, your I'm, I'm, zombies. I'm sorry,
2: we 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 prefer to be called necrophiles. Thank you very yes.
1: much. Yes, you can find zombie. You know, maybe you're a toxic spill zombie or a mutated virus zombie or a radioactive meter zombie. So you know D- there's does not- it
0: have to come down
1: to classifying? Do we always have to put people in categories? Can't we just be undead? But come on, yes. people like what they like and the undead likes what the undead likes too. So, you know, um, and even if you're a zombie, well, hater.
2: well if, if, if they're if they're sentient and dead, I mean, your average skeleton zombie's not going to say much. Liches, ghouls, gas. Wow, I'm showing my nerd cred here. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I, I got my AD&D. I got I got my AD&D monster manual like right there. I can just start spouting off.
3: Oh, so there. do I. I'm right there with you. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Right I'm caught the in a nerd
1: cross crossfire. Somebody, Wait, okay, hold, me. hold on. Is this crossfire. the original? Is this the original Monster Manual, or is this like version two? Because I, I grew up <laughs> no, on the second. original. So
2: uh um, is the DM3R? Not the. This is the binder, man. The binder.
1: Oh, okay. Oh. Then see that that's that's too new school. You're not old school enough for me. I reject you and substitute a reality uh, of my own making,
2: buddy. I, I I will I will kick your Moldvay, basic DD bring it on cupcake <laughs> is anybody yeah. else
0: excited about uh spielberg's uh rendition of ready player one coming out
3: should what? be interesting i'm, I'm intrigued, um, I'm intrigued. I, mean, I'm,
1: I mean as long as indiana jones doesn't show up i'll uh <laughs> i might go see it i don't know he, he did such a great job whenever he gave the uh early universe of star wars a run for its money so i don't really know um, but yes, yeah, so, that's with an S dot com for all of your zombie loving needs. So if
0: you if you hook up there and you become a zombie success story, let us know at uh, elementop.com, click the contact oh. us button at the top of the page that will send us a neatly formatted email that gets priority in my inbox, or you can email us at edl at elementop.com or if you'd like your voice to appear right here alongside mine, you can dial 559 I am open anywhere in North America, and that will uh, call uh, our voicemail, leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the show uh, we do this show for you, we appreciate what you have to say, and uh, you know, other than mocking your grammar, we do actually take your uh, your comments into uh, into consideration, we appreciate it. Uh, Jordan, thanks for
2: hanging out with us. Uh, any no final, words? Uh, final words? Final um, words. Uh, we at Linux Gamecast do not recommend the use of cocaine, as it may result in blindness and additional superpowers.
0: <laughs> All right, because <laughs> you don't you don't want to get too many superpowers. Eventually, you explode. Um,
2: that 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 is actually one of your superpowers. It's just exploding. Cool, but you can only uh, do it yeah. once. That's the problem.
0: I used to yeah. when my kids were really annoying me. I would say things like, "If you don't stop that, I'm going to eat your eyebrows." And the problem is, I can only do it once, so make it count.
2: Clearly, clearly, you you or your children don't understand how eyebrows work. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm 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 gonna leave that at that. Uh, I, I I I don't consider myself a particularly intelligent man. I think I know how eyebrows work
0: well if you if you tip, pull out the whole root system and everything anyway moving on thanks for hanging out with us jordan we appreciate it you're welcome back i'm not going to say anytime you're welcome back uh we have your people call my people we'll do lunch uh chris seth mm-hmm. it's great to have both of you back uh, uh chris uh, Thanks for, for making the Herculean effort to get connected in whatever way you can. Those two tin cans and a string you strung up actually work pretty well. Thanks for awesome. being with us. Uh, awesome. Listener, thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, we look forward to talking to you next next week. But for now, that ends this episode of Herculean.